Today on Heavy Networking, we're going to consider a newly announced platform for artificial intelligence workloads. And if that sounds more like a day two cloud episode, you might be right. But what we challenge you to think about as an infrastructure engineer is the overall architecture. We're covering the Converge.io MetaCloud announcement today, which as a computing platform is typical of a hybrid cloud design that is increasingly common. As a network engineer, you are, I'm sure, facing this. Data on-premises being processed in the public cloud, and how do you design a network infrastructure that plums up the on-prem environment that you own with the SaaS environment that you don't? How do you make it perform well? How do you make it secure? How do you make it resilient? Do you just slap up a VPN tunnel? That's often the go-to, but when you're dealing with specialized workloads and large data sets, is that really what you want to be doing? Our sponsor today is Intel, and they brought the Converge.io MetaCloud story to us today. Our guest is Yochai Itun, co-founder and CEO at Converge.io. And we're going to chat about MetaCloud with Yokai and then wrap up this episode, kicking around some architectural considerations. Yokai, welcome to Heavy Networking. Man, it seems like we've been working on getting your mic right and all this stuff, but now we're actually ready to jump into the conversation. So this is great. Uh, welcome to the show. And would you give us the elevator pitch, man? What is Converge.io? Sure, thank you. So Converge.io is a machine learning platform. So we built a software that helps data scientists and developers to build and deploy machine learning models to production. Uh, it could be any type of machine learning use case, uh, autonomous driving applications, recommendation engines, classification models, any kind of use case you can think of. We provide automation for uh, DevOps, MLOps, and everything around operations for AI. So it's not just an AI platform as such. It's all the infrastructure. It's all the pieces and parts that I need that if I am a shop that is interested in ML and artificial intelligence, I can run it on top of Converge.io. Exactly. So uh, data science and AI, it's not only about the algorithms today. It's a lot of infrastructure, a lot of operations. How do you put models to production? How do you build CICD for AI? continuous training, continuous deployments of models. So we basically we provide an end-to-end -end platform for both research and uh, experimentation and also for production machine learning. Now, the thing to understand here, I think for most people, if you are planning on doing AI in an enterprise, the workloads are quite spiky in terms of the infrastructure. That is, people spend a developer or a coder or a modeler, whatever the word is. I don't know what the word is in AI. Um, they spend time preparing the data and then feeding it into models. And then when the, when the generate model generation is complete, the workload is unloaded and it could be days or hours or weeks before they rerun the code again. And so you have this situation where you actually want uh, big spikes of capacity but you also need to be able to deploy the code into small chunks so that it can run. Is that, is that, am I getting it right or, or am I not on the right track? Then? No. Yeah, exactly. So the thing about machine learning is that there, first of all, there are spikes in demand in the infrastructure sizing for the different workloads. Some models require, uh, I don't know, like clusters of servers and some of the models require just like a small chunk of an existing server. At, when you're providing services to data scientists, like a platform for data scientists, you need to be able to support both. And also, uh, like you mentioned, there are spikes in terms of the uh, resource allocation. So mm. let's have a large model. Uh, maybe I'm Netflix, I'm building a recommendation engine or something like that. Mm -hmm. Then some of the times I would need to retrain my model every 30 minutes, every day. 
every hour. It's not continuous. It's not like a, a software production environment where you have a bunch of servers and stuff like that. It's very, it's very spiky, like you said. Mm. And that's why having a platform underneath to run the AI workloads, it's not like an AI developer sits there writing code and then runs it like a script. He actually needs an entire operating environment for the AI to be run in. Exactly. So as a data scientist, uh, I'm originally a data scientist myself. So uh, we, we, I actually built uh, Converge together with my co-founder as we were both doing machine learning as a service. Mm. And we saw a lot of challenges about how do we get models uh, at scale to production. Uh, you're building some algorithms, you're testing your ideas and stuff like that. And then suddenly mm. you need a 100 node cluster or something like that, maybe four node or uh, something that's larger than the regular, I don't know, PC or... Yeah. Uh, if you've just got one it, server in the data center for the developer, it, it might take three weeks for the run to happen for them right. to run through the data and extract a model. Is that Whereas if you had this burstable workload, the person might be able to schedule the run and it might be able to take up, you know, if there's 10 machines allocated to AI modeling, then they could burst to take all of them if the capacity was available or something like that. Is that right? Exactly. Exactly. So there is the scheduling piece that is a challenge. And also there is the, how do I configure a cluster that I can use it for my AI models? Like it's already hard to build the algorithm and, you know, work on the data and everything. Now I also need to worry about networking and provisioning and all those kind of stuff that I, as a data scientist, I'm probably le less expert with. And you don't really want to be hiring a sysadmin and an infrastructure person just to handle that part for you. Right. Exactly. So you are a layer above all of that hardware that I don't want to have to think about necessarily. So what do I do? I install uh, the AI OS on top of a server, have it join the system, and then I, I manage it centrally? Yeah. So uh, the platform itself is it's a product that you will deploy on-prem in your own private environment with the help of a sysadmin, of course, or an IT engineer or DevOps engineers. And then this will basically create a layer on top of maybe uh, the OS or on top of Kubernetes, we're big uh, Kubernetes uh, fans. And then we basically make it those, that infrastructure more accessible to the data scientists. Like they don't need to configure anything, don't need to be expert with DevOps. They can just train their models using the underlying infrastructure. And it just works like magic. If I need more capacity, I can throw more servers at it and all of that stuff that I can just, I can consume a whole bunch of hardware centrally. Exactly. So a lot of the, the architecture of, our, of Converge today is that you can have Converge deployed once and then you can connect multiple servers to the same environment. So it could be on-prem, it could be cloud, it could be multi-cloud, it could be CPUs, GPUs, any kind of hardware that you have can be connected to the same deployment of Converge. Now, you also mentioned along the way, uh, DevOps, DevOps engineers and stuff. You mentioned CICD and pipeline, which tells me I can consume this from a developer perspective. Uh, maybe there's an API there. I can make calls that way, kick off a job and you know do an API call. And then that job gets consumed by, the, by your platform. Uh, am I getting that right? Exactly. So the thing about AI today, is that what we're seeing is that 
what's happening today with machine learning is sort of like what happened with software development like 20, 30 years ago. Uh, data science teams and developers are looking for ways to standardize machine learning, to make it very easy and I don't, defined how you build machine learning in the organization. What does a retraining cycle look like? What type of the development environment does the enterprise support? So we sort of like create this platform, this operating system for developers and data scientists so they can actually build stuff and put them very fast in production in a really in like in a the most standardized way they can have. Right. And that's the value prop is the fact that I can put an AI data scientist using AI to extract meaning from the gibberish in the data set. And they can rapidly just start using your tool, your platform to start. Here's my data, feed this in, apply this AI math to it. And then I start to get meaning out of it. Yeah. And, and even more than that, like how do you take this research project that the data scientist is so good at and put it in production? Uh, a lot of the organizations today are basically failing to put models in production because they don't have this type of DevOps uh, for yeah. machine learning. Uh, I call this the Excel uh, effect. Just because you <laughs> built the spreadsheet in Excel once, how do you run it again and again? Like, how do you do it week after week? After exactly. Week? Mm. Yeah, exactly. So conceptually, something so like that. So just like CI/CD, but for mm. AI. So, Yokaya, how is Converge.io related to Intel? Because I don't, other than saying Intel's the sponsor today, I don't think we've even mentioned Intel along the way so far. <laughs> yeah, so Converge uh, was acquired by Intel about a year ago uh, in October of 2020. And since then, Converge was kept as a standalone company. We're still serving customers and working with our partners and growing as a standalone business outside of Intel, but uh, also uh, partnering with the Intel guys and working on a lot of really exciting projects. Okay, acquired, but, but left alone, uh, so to speak, to function as your own corporate entity. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Well, let's talk about the announcement here. The there We've talked about Converge.io as if we're running it on-premises and dealing with it in our own data center. But the announcement today is about MetaCloud, Yokai. So tell us about that. Right. So uh, MetaCloud is actually, it's, a, it's very exciting. And I'm not uh, biased or anything, but... <laughs> of course you're not. MetaCloud. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually, it's... Uh, We've been working on Converge for a few years now. And uh, one of the things that we wanted to do as we scale the business and the, and the product and the company, we want to make it easier for data scientists to use Converge. Like uh, we said a lot, of, we talked a lot about DevOps engineers. Um, so we're trying to make it easier to make it a more frictionless experience for data scientists. So we're offering Converge MetaCloud, which is a basically it's an a managed platform of Converge, consumed like a, a SaaS app. Uh, mm -hmm. We just sign up to Converge. And I think what's really exciting about this is that we sort of like built uh, a way and integration to a lot of different cloud and infrastructure providers. So we're actually just announced the partnership with uh, Dell that from the Converge MetaCloud, you will be able to access Dell resources on demand as it was like any other CSP cloud service provider. And of course, Converge MetaCloud works with all the different cloud providers and other partners as well for storage and compute. So it's basically bring your own compute and also bring your own storage. 
Okay, so wait a minute. Now you just confused me. So I've got MetaCloud uh, runs as a SaaS service. I consume it that way. But the back end uh, is bring my own compute. Does that mean bring my own AWS or bring my own hardware and MetaCloud manages that remotely? So it's more or less, it's like a remote control plane. Right. So it's both, you can actually bring your own AWS and also bring your own on-prem CPU or GPU cluster and then have a managed platform that can also manage all of your compute resources for AI. So just to put that into context, there are companies out there that produce hardware. So they use Intel x86, Intel Silicon, and you're saying that there are companies out there that Converge IO can run on. So you go and choose your favorite vendor, your you know favorite brand, and then you'd be able to, to set your platform up on top of any of those? Yeah. So think of it like data scientists, like we said, there are spiking uh, demand for different resources. From Converge MetaCloud, you'll be able to spin up a large cluster specialized for, I don't know, like deep learning computer vision brought by uh, one of the one of our partners. Could be cloud, could be on-prem. You mm-hmm. could consider cost as a factor for the customer or performance or other metrics that the customer wants. So, so I have this option then where I can rent metal for a while to run these workloads. I don't have to own the metal. Is that fair to say? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. So no, it's, it's, there's a bunch of yeah. options here. Then I can run it as a hybrid cloud model. If I've got my own metal and this, the SAS the meta cloud offering here, the SAS offering can manage that I can spin up things on a variety of different hardware platforms for the people that the CSPs that you're partnering with, I can do it that way. Or I can go old school, uh, old school public cloud. I just said that those are words that came out of my mouth. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I can go get kind of that, that predictable AWS route if I want and throw some workloads up there. And MetaCloud is making it possible for me to choose what that backend is. That's going to do my processing for me and make it easy to consume whatever those things are. Again, going back to that data scientist that doesn't want to have to think about it too hard. Yep, exactly. So I think what's really exciting about this is the flexibility piece. As a developer, being able to choose any type of compute I need and and just have it on demand instantly, I think that's very exciting. And also it's sort of like a new perception that we treat hardware and cloud as utility. Not as a, like I'm locked into a specific vendor. I can have the exact same hardware on different on different providers um, for better cost and better um, I don't know uh, performance and latency and stuff like that. I think that could be. Uh, no one buys clouds on that basis. Fun. They buy it based on the fact that I like this one or that one. Or we've already got a deal, a purchasing agreement with that one. That's the one we use, you know, something like that. Exactly. Yeah, that's much well, more realistic. Actually, that's that's an interesting billing question about this this uh, product. So if I'm going, if I'm using Converged IO MetaCloud, how is that billed? Do I have to deal with the backend billing as a separate thing or does it all come through MetaCloud? So our, our model is basically very similar to how cloud providers are billing their customers. So we do pay as you go, and you can also buy uh, bundles of uh, Converge credits. Eventually, we will fit a partner that bought the infrastructure from us, and we're sort of like the man in the middle. Then 
uh, you will pay directly to Converge and we will pass it on to the partner. Like I said before, so you can also bring your own compute and then you pay directly to the cloud provider and just uh, use it in Converge. Okay, so I actually have multiple models here. Um, you know, Greg, so going back to what you were saying before and how people make their choices, I actually have two choices here. I can stick with that model you were just describing. AWS is my best buddy. We have that relationship with them. I love that huge bill every month. I'm going to keep putting my compute up there. Uh, or yeah. I have, I, I can be doing it on prem where I've brought my own metal and I've already bought that. That's a capital expense and um, paying for it that in that way. So I, I have choices here. Again, going back to what you were saying, Yokai, flexibility. Yeah, exactly. So one of the motivations that brought us to MetaCloud is many of our customers are using Converge to build um, deep learning models. And with deep learning models, or maybe um, even like data data pipelines and stuff like that, you need most of the time you need a lot of compute. And uh, using cloud providers to buy that compute can be very, very expensive at some point. So many of our customers are buying uh, servers and put them, even small startups that use Converge or large enterprises, they do this calculation and they basically decide that it will be better for them, uh, more cost effective to buy a large server or even a rack or something. And then they, they are basically, they have two development environments, two production environments, one on-prem and one in the cloud. And they, it's hard for them to understand when they need to use the cloud or when they need to use their on-prem. So something like Converge MetaCloud can actually unify all the different infrastructure and make it seamless for data scientists to do cloud bursting or to uh, mm. prioritize jobs on-prem and stuff like that. Okay, there's, there's a big unspoken element here, which is the data itself that is being munged. I'm imagining there are some massive data sets which really complicates where I am doing the processing. If I'm doing it in the public cloud, I got to move the data in, up there. And, uh, and then maybe I have to move it back out if I'm done running that workload. So how do we deal with, how do we deal with all the data that's got to get stored somewhere so it can be processed? Yeah. Uh, so that's a great question. It's like one of the first questions we've been asked by developers when we presented uh, this uh, concept. And in Converge, we have this data caching solution. So you can actually, data sets that are being used frequently are automatically cached at multiple locations. So in my on-prem and in my also in my cloud. And then if I'm using that, then I don't need to manually bring my data or wait hours until my data is ready. It will just sit there. And if Converge identifies that you didn't use this data set for a while, for a few days, then it automatically clears the cache. Now that's, okay, that's interesting. So how, mm, I get to reuse the same data sets over and over again, depending on what I'm doing with like, like deep learning and stuff. I'm not always, it's not always new data. Right, so in machine learning, many of the time, if it's a production model, then you wouldn't be using new data. It could be maybe deltas of the same data. You might add additional data to the existing data set. And yeah. uh, we have this version control system for data that allows us to basically just copy the delta to clone the data set 
So uh, it can be run in the cash system. Now, when you say cash, where are we talking about that it's actually cash? Because we're talking about multiple components now where things are happening. We've got the MetaCloud SaaS component, which I'm, I'm kind of thinking of as that remote control plane. But then we've got hardware that can be all over the place. So where, where would a node be that would be acting as a cache for me? So on any compute cluster that is connected to the control plane, to the MetaCloud control plane, you, you can have a cache node. And that it could be NFS, it could be local disk, it could be a local object store, it could be anything that data scientists need and want. And so example, let's say I have this reference architecture where I have converged MetaCloud, I also have my AWS account, and I also have my on-prem Dell server. Also on AWS and also on my uh, Dell server, I can have uh, a caching uh, node. Right. So I can cache locally on-prem where my cost makes sense. It, like having on-prem storage is usually one-third the price of cloud storage over over a three to five year ownership cycle. So you might cache it locally instead of storing it in the cloud as a concept anyway. Exactly. And by the way, this caching is also important for cloud, even if you're not using on-prem, because uh, usually uh, data scientists or data engineers will store data on S3. And there is a big cost moving data from S3 to the actual EC2 instance, mm. also costing like money and also time. So what we do is we allow you to cache data on the EC2 cluster, uh, the EKS, Kubernetes cluster, and then you don't need to uh, move the data from S3 to the node many times. Hmm. There's a couple of architectural components that we've implied here again and then have to, to, dig, to dig into. We talked about storage, we've talked about the caching, but we're also talking about geographically disparate places that things are happening. So we got to talk about plumbing, uh, Yochai. That, that is a big piece of this in my mind. Or, or is it? Is the networking, like, do I need big, redundant, resilient pipes going from my data center to the converge.io meta cloud? And then, you know, big pipes to wherever my, uh, my metal is, wherever I've decided to have that and, uh, and get my processing done? Or... It, is having huge networking pipes that are redundant and resilient actually not a big deal because of the way the, the, the learning is getting done? So from Converge to your clusters, whether cloud or on-prem, there is no requirement to have like a network or something like that. You just, it, just need to have some access, but no data is not going to move between the different, uh, those two different uh, places. You might need good networking between the on-prem cluster to the cloud cluster, but it really depends on the architecture. Usually we're trying, what we're trying to do with our customers is that you will have, you will treat converge as a control plane and you can have different clusters connected to converge, but they don't need to communicate necessarily uh, one another. So it's, it's pretty uh, basic uh, requirements. So the, right, the control plane then, the centralized piece, I, I need to, that, I need the control plane to be able to see the nodes that are being managed, of course, but there's nothing, Yes, you're kicking off jobs, you're needing to be able to keep track of the health of the node, perhaps, and a few other things, nothing that's very uh, bandwidth intensive, you just need a good connection there, 
and then be able to say, okay, kicking off job and you know, make it happen. But the, the, the bigger requirement then is on the back end where the compute nodes may need, if they're in different places, may need a, uh, to move a lot of data between them, depending on what's going on. And so in that case, if it's on-prem and AWS, maybe I need direct connect circuits that are appropriately sized so I can move data between the nodes. Yeah, yeah, that could be an option. So um, the way the architecture looks like is so you have the contr converge control plane and then you can also define where you want the storage, like main storage would uh, reside. You can define it just like you can bring your own compute, you can also bring your own storage. So it's important that you have good connectivity between the storage that you have defined to the different compute clusters. Um, whether it's on-prem or cloud, uh, it's up to you. It's up to the, I mean, the user. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, one of the requirements. Also depends on the type of workload. If it's terabytes of data versus, you know, a few gigabytes of data, then obviously it's different as well. Yeah. And then how does MetaCloud see the network? Or, or, or is it assumed that connectivity is there? You're going to be able to manage all of the compute nodes and not especially worry about the network other than assuming it's going to work. Yeah, so we provide some um, tools to make it easier to monitor the different uh, clusters and the storage. Um, we, we expect some uh, networking uh, capability. Also, obviously, like if someone on the on-prem cluster decided to shut down the server, then in the Converge MetaCloud, we will identify it and we'll basically make that cluster offline until, and then it will continuously run checks. When it's back up, it will make it online again. So this is important also for the, you know, the developer experience that uh, as a data scientist, I, I don't want to worry about my infrastructure. So we make it easier for them. Yochai, can I ask a cynical question? I, I want to ask, I want to ask that, that cynical cross-armed question. Uh, which is this, uh, there are other products out there that'll abstract a cloud service provider kind of away from you. They'll stand up a Kubernetes cluster kind of wherever. We haven't really talked about the Kubernetes component yet. We'll get into that, but I know that's a part of the solution. So if I'm standing here going, hey, there's you know three, six, 10 other products that'll stand up a Kubernetes cluster on some cloud service provider and make it all not matter to me. I don't have to care. I just want to run my workloads. What makes MetaCloud a unique offering here where that's the solution I want to go to? Who's the, who's the right consumer for this product? Right. Um, so that's a good question. So there are a few products out there, but they're very general. Converge MetaCloud, it's only about AI. It's about how we help data scientists and data engineers and developers to build machine learning models. So we basically took a very specific use case for this type of hybrid cloud uh, managed solutions and, and put it in action. So we have a lot of different customers, a lot of different data scientists today use converging production. It's not like a, you know, a science project or anything. And uh, it's working, it's working great. And it's tailored for AI, which is very unique in the industry. Mm. Okay, so there, there's a Kubernetes component to this that sits underneath. Do I care as a consumer of MetaCloud that it's Kubernetes underneath, or is that incidental to me? 
Right. So this is always like the balance of how when you're building developer tools, you need to think how open you want this to be and also how abstracted you want this to be. So as a developer myself, I, I always like that, you, you know, you have like basic and advanced type of modes. So for some users, they won't know it's Kubernetes underneath. Like we sort of like make it easier for them to basically not be Kubernetes experts yeah. and just worry about their machine learning. Some users would like to get into the details of Kubernetes, would like to install plugins on the Kubernetes cluster, uh, and that's also available. So we're trying to think about like the balance between non-Kubernetes experts and also Kubernetes users and uh, build something that supports both. <laughs> so I can consume <laughs> Kubernetes and not know it's there if I want, or if I want to nerd out and write my own YAML, I can do that too. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, don't, I don't, I don't want to write my own YAML, uh, okay? But, uh, but I know there are those people that do, no or maybe <laughs> there'd be a reason to dive into that stuff. Uh, and, and, and what you're telling me is you're giving me the choice to, to, to do that if, if I really want, or if I'm already, maybe I'm a heavy duty Kubernetes shop and I want to throw some clusters I've already got at uh, converge.io as a thing that can be consumed. Is that possible or, or is, is MetaCloud and converge.io in general always going to stand up its own Kubernetes cluster? Yeah, no, it's possible. Uh, indeed, you can also bring your own Kubernetes uh, to the mix. Uh, we also work with uh, not only infrastructure companies, but companies like, you know, uh, VMware that has uh, Tanzu or Red Hat who has uh, OpenShift. So um, we're definitely big supporters of Kubernetes and we want to make it easy for Kubernetes mm -hmm. users to just add it to the mix. I think it, I, I like the VM based solution could have legs eventually, but it's not currently the solution that is going to be isn't going to meet what most of your customers want most of your customers are all into kubernetes right now i think and if you started to say to them oh and vms they sort of look at you and go like why are you doing vms is that right yeah so we actually we started converge before there was a huge adoption of kubernetes we just mm. uh, ran containers before kubernetes today we support kubernetes we support vms we support uh, just running uh, containers, but uh, uh, VMware has a really good solution, Tanzu, which is their own Kubernetes like managed solution that we support. Yeah. So you would run on top of anybody's Kubernetes underneath. Tanzu, of course, mm -hmm. has the advantage of using all of VMware's infrastructure. And that would be for, exactly. for enterprise people who are, you know, moving aligned with VMware's uh, cross cloud or multi cloud, hybrid cloud, whatever it's called this week. Strategy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's hybrid cloud, Greg. Everything's moving hybrid. to hybrid cloud. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was cross cloud. And I thought the recent VM turned it. In. Oh, yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, <laughs> okay, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cross cloud. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We'll see. But if I was, if my enterprise infrastructure team was aligned with VMware as their go-forward strategy, then you could then run it on Tanzu, and then of course Tanzu runs on-prem and off-prem, so you could run it anywhere still, and have exactly. one unified approach. Yeah. Ilkay, you mentioned along the way Dell as a hardware partner. You've got, do you have a bunch of these partners and, and why is this important to me uh, that you have a bunch of these partners? Yeah, so uh, we, we've been working with the different hardware and infrastructure companies like Dell, Supermicro and others, uh, Lenovo also. Our goal is basically to make hardware 
um, as sort of like a utility to make it easy for a data scientist to spin up any hardware they want instantly uh, while considering cost and performance. So data scientists will have 100% flexibility to choose anything they want. Dell is a strong uh, partner. Uh, we just uh, announced uh, this uh, together. We are, uh, they have a, a bunch of different projects around uh, as a service, they call Apex, Dell Apex, for example. And this is exactly this, like how can we provide Dell resources on demand, just like cloud uh, providers and uh, to make it accessible for developers. So uh, we're working with uh, those partners to make it easy to provide their infrastructure for the AI uh, ecosystem. Now, as the data scientist, am I going to check the box and say, I want my workloads to run on super micro hardware? Uh, is that a likely a thing? Or are you positioning it more like, here's a box that's got X number of cores and X number of uh, amount of GPU power and so on. And they check the box kind of generically, not knowing that it's Dell or super micro, whatever it is back there. Yeah, so that's actually, it's a good question. Uh, we thought of the of two different use cases. One, like you just said, I'm a data scientist. Do want to have X amount of cores, Y amount of uh, GPUs? Just give me the one that is uh, the cheapest. The other option is uh, Dell has this really good reference architecture for autonomous driving, computer vision, deep learning system. It has very good storage. It has very good. Uh, like internal architecture, network, and all those kind of stuff. And it's very good for, I don't know, five terabytes of data. So as a data scientist, if it's actually, it fits the needs, the my model, my algorithm, I, I might be just, Using that, I think that could be yeah, a because value assembling part. a list of a bill of materials for the for the phys physical parts is actually quite time consuming, and you end up rubbing up against a lot of salespeople and haggling over pointless details like you know, does this hard drive go faster than that SSD? Does this CPU have a dingly dongle and a wangle? And this one's only got a half a wangle but double dingles, and you end up with pointless what I call bike shedding discussions and. Dell takes a lot of that away with their bill, prepared bill of materials and just says, and that helps the decision-making. It helps you get from yeah. to a deployed solution really quickly. Exactly. Yeah, okay. You just really brought that together for me. It's basically, it's a, it's a turnkey hardware platform that's been certified by Dell or whoever the provider is to be, to run particular kinds of workloads very well. And so when I have that particular kind of workload, I just say, here, that's what I want. Make it so. And uh, and then I get a bill from uh, from Converge.io without me having to think about it. That is that I get it now. I'm not consuming cores and GPU as such. I'm consuming a system that has been optimized by the provider to do that job really well. Mm. Yeah, it's good that this is recorded. I can use it for our customers. In <laughs> <laughs> You're doing the pitch better than me. <laughs> I, I, I got another architecture question for you, Yokai. Along the way, we've talked a bit about the network and we've talked about um, you know storage and caching and things like that. Data governance, how does this play in? Am I really concerned about data governance in this space where I'm doing machine learning? I can kind of see that the, the, the learning model data 
maybe doesn't have data governance concerns, but but maybe it does. And that's really the question for you. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a big topic. Uh, some models require very specific data. Some data set cannot be accessed by other users. Some data could not be moved to different regions or maybe different countries. Uh, it's definitely a key topic in Converge, especially, like, especially in AI. So in the platform itself, we have this type of mechanism that allows you to set who has access to what data and what data can be on what type of cluster, what compute. Um, it's critical today with data privacy and all those kind of stuff. So uh, we have it already built into the product. Mm. So the, if I tag data sets and you know, this can't go out of country, you know, wherever I'm at, that is something that, is that basically all I have to do? And from there, I can lean into converge.io to, 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 to take care of that for me. Yeah, yeah, you can define more like advanced rules, like who has access, what type of workloads, um, and what type of compute and and regions, let's say. Um, and then you can enforce that with the product, yes. Hmm. Yeah, in other words, it's not, I'm, I'm oversimplifying the problem. What you're saying is, yeah, banks, we've got that sorted. That's the easy part. And here's a much more complex <laughs> list of policy <laughs> things that we can do. So, so yeah, you guys have got this sorted and you're really doing it right. Got it. Okay. <laughs> okay, I must say, I uh, did not know what to make of this platform at first. And then I started reading the website and uh, working through some of the information and then chatting with you about this has been uh, really interesting because a product like this is to me the future and more and more what we're seeing folks consume, how they think about compute and consume compute or follow models like this. So for people that are, maybe they are data scientists and they're working in this space and they want to know more, where would you send them? Yeah, so um, the first place would be converge.io, which is our website. So cnvrg.io. We have, uh, as a developer, we have uh, docs, which is instead of, you know, going through the website, I would just go into the docs, see what's what's up there, uh, understanding the different capabilities, the architecture and stuff like that. And we have nice examples for uh, use cases and reference architectures with different uh, users, customers. So uh, that would be uh, a place to visit. And also we had a nice talk at uh, Intel on together with Dell about this uh, Converge MetaCloud announcement that we had. Uh, so I would recommend uh, going and watching that. Excellent. And uh, and again, if people want to contact you, Yochai, are you on LinkedIn or Twitter or anything like that? Can they find you? Yeah, I'm both LinkedIn and Twitter. So uh, just uh, search my name and I guess uh, you will find it. Okay, very good. Uh, thanks, Yokai, uh, for being on the show with us today. This was fun. And our thanks to the folks at Intel for sponsoring today's episode. And our thanks to you for listening. Our sponsors, plus all you excellent folks out there, you keep our families fed. And I, I am not, that's not just a thing I say. That That is no joke. So we really do appreciate your time and attention, and we don't take it for granted. And if you learned something today, and we definitely hope you did, check out packetpushers.net for more nerdy engineering oriented content designed for your professional career development. And if you're social, you can just search for packet pushers on Twitter or LinkedIn. You'll find us, or you can join our free Slack group at packetpushers.net slash Slack. Last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough. <laughs>